You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. Happy New Year. For those of you who don't know, uh, the Korean tradition is to go around uh, to your family, to the elders, and bow for the purposes of gaining money. Oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's to show respect. Um, but you get money. Uh, you get money. So my children, they, uh, they got me some money. Uh, no, it's for the college fund, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, so it was, it was really good. Uh, I hope that you guys all had a wonderful week, too. Um, it's incredibly cold. Uh, we just got back from our college winter retreat. For those of you who went, woot woot, where are you all at? You were here? Yeah. Uh, led, by, led by Jesse. He, uh, he led the group. I, I was able to uh, speak for them, and so it was a great blessing for me as well. And it was just a wonderful, I think, three days, two nights up at Anna's Prayer House. And so for those of you who knew about it, and we have told you about it before, and for those of you who prayed about it, prayed for us, we really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Um, so I hope this week so far has been a wonderful start to a brand new year. <coughs> if you are new, please join us afterwards. We got some good food, and I'd love to get to know you too. I'd love to know you a little bit better downstairs. I love your beautiful reformed beard. Uh, I, think, I think we'll have a lot to talk about downstairs. And so come join us downstairs. Um, so... We had a wonderful reca uh, recap video shown last week, but what it didn't show was what occurred on the pulpit. Uh, we had just finished a one-and-a-half-year-long series in the book of Genesis, right? So that was wonderful. Then we spent two weeks on the Advent, and then finally, New Year's, or rather New Year's Eve, we had a sermon kind of bringing everything to a close, to a wind-down, and so that was wonderful. So the, idea, so the question that we all have now is this. What's the plan for next year, or for this year, really? Uh, as you know, or rather, as you probably all have observed, if you look to your left and to your right, you see these four new banners, okay? These four new banners. And, uh, <clears throat> and they're more than simply a uh, wall decor. It's more than decoration. It's actually a declaration. Uh, it's a statement of our church and of our ministry. So here's the thing. As the world gets progressively darker, and it is, it is progressively getting distant from truth, and uh, even churches, sadly, and those who would identify themselves as Christians are progressively buying into the dark influences of the world. Um, and so a distinction is needed, okay? A distinction is needed of who we are and, um, and, and what we're all about. So our church, while identifying as a Southern Baptist church, which is our denomination, we want to be more than simply a denomination because our church, this church, Shining Star must be a church that finds its identity rooted in Jesus, okay, period, rooted in Christ. But even more than that, we need to make sure that who this Jesus is is not just the Jesus that a lot of people believe or think they know who Jesus is, the social construct Jesus, the, you know, the uh, revolutionary Jesus. No, we want to worship and be rooted in the Jesus of the Bible, right? Jesus of the Bible. Um, this all means we want to make it loud and clear that who we are as Shining Star, who we are as a church and as a ministry can be pinpointed straight from the Word of God. And so for that reason, we are going to begin a new series called Pathway, okay? 
pathway for this new year. And in this series, we'll hear what our mission as Shining Star EM is. In other words, why we even exist, what the purpose is for our church, the reason for this church, this organization, for the services, for our programs, for all that we do day in and day out. And then next week, we'll go into the vision of our <coughs> ministry, which will be our long-term goal and what we believe would be the result should we embrace that mission. Right? You, get, you, you following along? And then finally, for the remaining weeks of the series, we'll go over each core value that you see right there. And these will be the very principles found in Scripture that we believe the Lord is emphasizing to each and every one of us so that you and I, we would be shaped and transformed and conformed to be more like Jesus as he pursued the mission together of the church towards the completion of the vision of the church. Do you guys want that? I do, right? So these core values will help everyone understand that what we as Shining Star EM believes to be foundational to not only simply be a member of this church, but it's foundational to be a disciple of Christ, okay? This is what it means to be a believer, a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Now, who's excited? Anyone excited? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're excited. Okay, so... Quick background, quick uh, past history. As you know, when the EM first really got started, if I were to be honest, uh, we had a great many rough starts. It all began with really one person, and that was whoever was the English ministry pastor. So I have sat through and supported nearly half a dozen pastors that have come and gone. And though it was difficult, and there might actually be a few members here that were with me since the beginning, I am still grateful, incredibly grateful for the experience because I learned something truly valuable in all those years. This is before I entered the ministry as a pastor, but there's something I learned that was so valuable that I still believe is just so paramount in the way that I lead and the way that I want to minister and something that I will never forget, and that is this. I cannot do ministry on my own. I can't do it by myself, right? Now we know that God is with us. We know that. And so we know that we're never truly alone, but even Jesus had his disciples to share the load with. So with that understanding, with time and a lot of patience and even more prayer, the staff began to grow. So I became the English ministry pastor here, and from one became two, to became three, to four, to five, to six, to seven, and now to eight. And out of those eight, seven of them are directly involved in this ministry that you are in. Pastor Esther and Pastor Jeannie have been faithfully serving the children's ministry for, uh, for the con Korean congregation as well as for the parents of our EM. Pastor Esther also contributes a great deal of time through her gifting as a counselor. Joe and Jesse, they've faithfully served alongside me for years in practically every aspect of ministry from praise to youth to EM to life groups and college ministry to missions, you name it, they've done it. And they continue to serve with me with even more passion and faith. I truly believe this, that this ministry, and I could say this confidently, that many even of our members here would not be where they are from a spiritual and from a relational and from a communal standpoint without the love and leadership of, that these two have faithfully demonstrated over the past years. Really. And finally, we have our two newest additions, Pastor James and Pastor Danny. These two are EM associates. Pastor James, 
he leads the youth ministry and on his spare time because he doesn't need to sleep, right? He assists me in the development and in the planning and the teaching for the EM. I mean, just a few days ago at the college retreat, he actually came by. He gave a powerful seminar to our college friends, and so that was wonderful. Pastor Danny, he focuses on all the intricacies of what goes on within our ministry, connecting people to various programs within our church and overseeing multiple committees so that we can better serve one another as well as serve our surrounding community. And so these men and women are the leadership, but really it's the team that the Lord has graciously, graciously allowed me to be a part of, to lead, to befriend, to love, to learn from, and grow together with. And all, they all have their unique voice and gifting. And you probably know them personally. You probably know every single one of them. And some of them are quite weird, right? They're quite odd. They're oddballs. But what's great is this. It balances out with everyone else. Everyone else has their ministerial strengths and weaknesses, and it just it works out. And so as I open up this new series, I would like to welcome Pastor Danny and Pastor James, our college director, Jesse, and our worship leader and pastoral resident, Joe, to share the pulpit with me, okay? To share the pulpit with me for the next few months as we discover who we are as a church, as we discover where we're going and how we're going to get there as we discover who Jesus is and how we can all become more like him, all right? But more than anything else, what I'm really excited for is to simply share in their love for the one who brings us all together. You guys, you know he needs no introduction. His name is above all names. He is the king of what? He is the Lord of what? He is Jesus, and he is who we worship, amen? He is who we love. He is the reason we live. He is the purpose of our songs, And so I want you all to be excited and to be prayerful and with hearts full of love and hope. I want us all together to begin a new journey this new year. Amen? Okay? So that's what's happening. That's what's happening. So what is our mission? Our mission is to know and enjoy God. Can everyone say that with me? Can everyone just look at the mission back there in the green banner? And can everyone just read that with me together? One, two, ready, go. To know and enjoy God. Keep going. Amen, right? Our mission is to know and enjoy God, but what does that mean? To know him is to be disciple, to make disciples in Christ, and to enjoy him is to glorify him in Christ. John 17.3 says this, and this is eternal life, that they know that you, that they know that you are the true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says this, But let him who who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So you see, from our text today, we we have the shadow of the cross looming over Jesus, okay? This is the background of this text. He talks to his inner circle disciples because, you see, it's only a matter of hours, 12 hours to be exact, before he'll give up his spirit and die on the cross. So in this passage, Jesus, he explains something pretty pretty important. Really, these are really significant words. And as we all know, the final words of someone who's dying or someone who is about to die are things to be taken seriously, right? 
So Jesus, he begins with the significance of his relationship to his father. And then he tells us how it's significant or the significance of his relationship with his father is significant for his disciples when he's gone. And so you see it. It not only begins with Jesus who, and who he is to us, but it starts with who Jesus is to God, who Jesus is to the Father. And so that's where we'll begin our journey today, to know God more. Amen? So here's my first point. My first point is this, that God is pleased with Jesus. Can you say God is pleased with Jesus? All right, so in verse 31, there's a strange statement. But before I go into that, I want to kind of picture, I want you all first picture the situation. So here we have Jesus, and he's with his disciples, and one of those disciples is Judas. You all know him? Jesus knows Judas is about to betray him. He knows it all. And yet Jesus does something pretty spectacular. He lavishes, continues to extend grace and kindness and honor to this betrayer. But Judas after receiving all those praises, after receiving that honor and grace, he stands up and he walks out to do his wicked deed to betray Jesus. Now, what would you expect Jesus to say at such a time? I mean, just imagine that for a second. Just to walk out as the great teacher is teaching. If it were me, I'm sure I could think of some choice words, but listen to what Jesus says. Judas stands up, probably filled with guilt and knowing that he had to do this, betrays, so he walks out, even as Jesus lavished his stuff, and then what does Jesus say? How does he respond to this interruption? He says, now is the Son of Man glorified. Now is the Son of Man glorified. Okay, so Jesus here is saying that because he's got something that we don't have. He's got this different perspective. He knows what's going to happen. Who here has ever fantasize about that one moment in your life where you get all the glory. Anyone? Thank you, Peter, for being honest. Anyone else? Okay, thank you, Daniel. Right? I'll be honest. <clears throat> I've had some fantastic dreams that were initiated by me. Right? So here's one. I fantasize where I won the Super Bowl for the Washington Redskins. Okay? They would hoist me up because I won... I, was, I think I played every position. They would hoist me up, and then Daniel Snyder, the owner, would say, David, I'd be lost without you. And I said, yes, that's true. And then, and then I would say, I would think, all that entire moment of me being praised and, and, and glorified, where all my imaginary hard work was done, where all my fictitious discipline would finally pay off with a Lombardi trophy. And so I would think about that, and I would love to be the hero of D.C. I'm a son of D.C. Well, Northern Virginia, really, but still, right? Well, for Jesus, this was his moment, too. If you recall, he had spoken often about, often about this thing called this. He would say this, his hour had not yet come, right? You've heard that before? His hour had not yet come. Remember how in the first miracle, his mom, Mary, said, hey, Jesus, my son, the wedding, the wine is out. And then he says, dear woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And so he always gave these glimpses or hints of the fact that he had come to die. He had come to die. Remember when he said this? I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. And so now as Judas walks out the door, that moment, you see, his leaving sets in motion the very events that Jesus spoke so often about. 
The moment that Judas left that place and walked right out, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion has all been sprung and set in motion. So in verses 31, 32, Jesus repeatedly used the word. He says, glorify, 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 glorify. Five times, in fact. And what was Jesus saying this for? He's saying, this is what I've come for. This is what I have prepared for. This is the whole point of my life. This is my crowning glory to finish what my Father has sent me to do. And so as Jesus knows that he is glorified, he knows then that the Heavenly Father will be glorified. So what does that all mean and what does it mean for us then? It means everything. It means everything because this relationship that the Son of Man, that the Son of God has with our Heavenly Father is our very hope of salvation, okay? Like if you were to stand before God today and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? Why, what right do any of you, do you have to stand before me in my holy presence? What could you possibly say to him at that moment? Like, seriously, what could you say? My parents were Christians. I was raised in a Christian, I was raised in a Christian household. I was raised in the church. My parents were deacons and elders. Or maybe I come from a third, fourth generation pastoral family. What could you say to him? What would he say? God would say, look, that's great that your dad and your mom were deacons or elders or pastors or whatever. But I know something. I know that they are sinners, and I know that your parents' parents are sinners, and I know that your parents' parents' parents are sinners. In fact, I know that you were born sinful too, and your family lineage, your family ancestry, and all the wonderful heritage that you have does nothing, absolutely nothing, to remove the stains of your sins. Nothing. Or would you say, well, God, I tried my best. I, I always try to do what is right, God would say, well, I know you tried hard. I know you did good things. But did you know that throughout your life, interspersed with all those little good things that you say you did, do you know how many times you have delighted to do what was wrong? Do you know how many times you delighted to do what was wicked and what was untrue and what was rebellious? In fact, If I were to sum up your entire life from the moment that you breathed your first breath to the breath that you, to to your last breath, I could find a pattern, and that pattern has more of the world's handprint than mine. Or maybe we could say this, but God, I did wonderful things. I raised a family the best I could. I worked in the community. I tried to serve my neighbors. I was active at church. I was generous. With a lot of my money, 10%, oh, I gave 20% of my income. Lord, I was charitable. I helped those who were in need. And what would God say? He would say, yeah, okay, good. And I'm sure you got a lot of praises for that too. For your, you got your recognition, didn't you? Right? Giving money, helping out, being charitable, being generous, all that stuff. You got your reward. But here's here's what I'm talking about is what you deserve. Is what do you deserve for all the other times, all those dark sinful moments when you hated your wife? When you treated your children like dirt and when you cheated your employer, when you rebelled against me? Then what do you think you deserve then? Folks, do you see how perfect... A perfect God demands a perfect life lived. 
but it's a life that none of us can produce. None of us. So what could we possibly say before holy God? If you're to die today, let's be real, it happens. <clears throat> you go before God, what could you possibly say to him? I have money. I did my best. I got a 4.0 GPA. I've never cheated on my wife. I raised my kids the best, of my, best I could. I gave money to charities. I'm part of the Peace Corps. I did all this. Like, really? God's going to say, but what about this and this and this and this? You want praises for the good things? Well, here's condemnation for all the millions of bad things. What can you possibly say to a holy, perfect, righteous God? What? I'll tell you what we can say. This is all we can say. Lord, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. From childhood, everything I did, no matter how good and no matter how noble, it was tainted and it was marred with evil. I am guilty of wrong motives. I know I am guilty of wrong desires and wrong everything. And I admit, God, that over the years, I have broken every single one of your commandments, every single one of the laws, either in my thoughts or in my words or in my actions. And God, I hate, I do hate the sin that I constantly find myself repeating and cycling over and over again. And God, I know this one fact. I have absolutely no right to stand before you because I am so unholy and you are holy. I am so unrighteous and you are righteous and you are blameless and I have no place to stand and no right to stand before you, God. But by Lord I believe that Jesus, your son, he became a man. Lord, I believe that he walked in my shoes. And I believe, God, that he lived a perfect life, a life without sin. And this was a life that I could not live. And I believe he was obedient to you, even if I've been disobedient. He was obedient to you all his life, unlike me. And I believe that even when he went to the cross, he still, despite the suffering and despite the shame and despite the pain, he still sought to completely fulfill your will. And I believe it was there on that cross that he took my sins and he paid for it and that he made an atonement, a blood sacrifice on his own body to satisfy your rightfully declared and your righteous demands of justice against me. And so God, I believe, I believe that when he rose from the dead, that his resurrection was evidence and demonstrated that his payment on my behalf was accepted by you. And that his blood shed for me was enough. And so, Lord, yes, you are right. I stand with nothing to say before you. I stand before you with nothing to offer. My pockets are empty. My hands have nothing. I am empty-handed but with no other hope that you might, other than the fact that you might accept Jesus' work on my behalf. Hoping that you would simply accept the life of Jesus on my behalf, that you would find and accept his death acceptable in my place. My hope, God, O Holy One, is that what the Son of God did for me was more than enough. Brothers and sisters, folks, if that, okay, is the cry of your heart, I'll tell you today. 
Never in the history of the world has any man or any woman or any child ever stood on such solid ground. You hear me? Why? All because God is pleased with his son. God is pleased with his son because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. So place your faith in him. Surrender your life to him. This is how we know him. This is how we start our journey. That's how we enjoy him. But how do we make him known? And this goes to my final point. We must imitate the love of Christ. Now, disciples, they didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about. But what little they did hear, what little they did understand, they just kind of got wrapped up with Jesus uh, what Jesus said in verse 33, little children, little, yet a little while I'm with you, da, 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 where I am going, you cannot come. So you can imagine the panic that ensued. Peter goes, where are you going? Where are you going? And then again he says, why can't I follow you now? Right? Then Thomas in chapter 14 says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. There's panic. And then Philip says in chapter 14, Lord, just show us the Father. There's fear. There's uncertainty spreading. What are they going to do without Jesus? Where could he be going? Now, Jesus had no intention of leaving them unprepared. In fact, he's provided everything that they'll need, so he gives them just this one great principle. He calls it the new commandment. Love one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, love one another. Jesus says it three times in these two verses. Love one another, love one another, and love one another. So how do we love one another? Well, this is when we ask, well, how did Jesus then love one another? He washed our feet. He honored and lavished grace even on the wicked betrayer Judas. And finally, we know that he was about to go to the cross and lay down his life for them and for us. So what just happened here? Jesus just raised the bar. Okay? Jesus raised the bar. He raised standard here because it is no longer love your neighbor as yourself. Now it's this. Love as I have loved you. It's different. You see, when you love your neighbor as yourself, it's kind of done out of goodwill. It's a sense of pride and a sense of responsibility for kind of your community or maybe even the human race, a need to defend a neighbor or a family member who, let's say, in this context in the Bible, is like about to become a slave. No, no, you support, you free them, you do what you can. But now that measure of love has changed. You see, now the measure of love is defined by the fact that God of the universe would take human form. That he would suffer and that he would die for those who were ungodly, for those who were wicked, for those who hated God and said, I want nothing to do with you. And yet God, he loved them and he died for them so that he might redeem them from the chains of sin and that he would then what? Bring them into glory. That's the kind of love we're talking about now. To make him known, guys, is not easy. If it's just about the evangelism that we do outside, outside these doors, but it's not. It's part of it, but it's not. 
What is this that we're talking about? How do we make him known? It's about loving the people right next to you. Right? Because we can go outside and just share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel, but, but let's talk about how, how much more difficult is it to actually love the person next to you. When a newcomer enters our church for the first time, what are they going to see? 100 distinct individuals all claiming to be followers of Jesus? Or will they see one body of believers who are willing to love one another with nothing less than the love that took Jesus to the cross on our behalf? You see, if we say we love him, then that means that our love must mirror Jesus' love. Okay? It's going to be difficult, and it may even seem impossible because we got a lot of unlovely people here, myself included. But it can only be possible if God himself worked this kind of love in us. Yeah? And that's exactly what he promised to do. Folks, this is how people will know if we're his disciples. If we love one another. That's how we know. But get this. God, he knows our natural tendency. After all, in verse 36 to the end, it kind of gives us Peter's response. What's, what's the natural response to be a Christian uh, for what Peter thinks to be a follower of Christ? He wants to go. He wants to fight. He's ready to die. But wait, wait, wait. To, to, to take that step back and start loving each other? I don't know if I can do that. I feel like this is much easier to go and to fight and die, but to actually commit ourselves to one another. And to actually have a covenant walk and relationship with one another. And to actually suffer, be compassionate, suffer with one another. That's, 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 that's a bit more difficult, wouldn't you say? Folks, all kinds of people call themselves Christians. But it's not enough to say that you are one. You need to ask yourself, are you a disciple of Jesus? Don't just say, I'm a Christian. Say, are you a disciple of Jesus? Because if you are, according to Jesus, True disciples have a distinguishing mark, and that is their love for Jesus and their love for one another with the love of Jesus. Surrender Jesus, and you will love Jesus, for that is how you will know Jesus. But love one another by imitating the love of Jesus, and that is how we will make Jesus known, and that's how we'll glorify him. Amen? It is by Jesus. It is for Jesus. It is through Jesus. Let's take this time and pray. I think people often think to know Jesus or to know God, it is, they're expecting some sort of practical step. <clears throat> what book must I read? <clears throat> Where in the Bible should I read? How many prayers do I need to pray? <clears throat> How should I contribute to the church and to the programs here? What, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And you see, it's not about that. You want to know Jesus. It's about giving up yourself. Okay? It is about, it is about relinquishing your rights. It's about this. You saying, I am no longer the master of my life. I will no longer be the Lord of my life. I will no longer be the Savior of my life. It is a giving up. That is how you know. That is how you're saved. So folks, maybe right now, um, 
You're already there. You know Christ. You're walking with him. And so for you, maybe it's just a matter of know, going deeper, knowing him more. And here's the thing. It's, it's, the answer doesn't change. It's about a daily giving up. You see? It's about every single day saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. I have been filled with pride thinking that I can do things by my own strength, by my own might. And Lord, I cannot do this. I depend on you. I need your wisdom. I need your truth. I need the gospel to carry me on. I need you. And maybe another prayer that we need to pray is is simply, are we really loving with the love of Christ? Are we loving one another as he has loved us? It's no longer simply just loving each other for the sake of reciprocity, hoping that you'll get love back. No, it, it is about just loving them to the point of death. I know that's a tall order. It seems almost just unfathomable that anyone can do that but that is the love that Christ is calling us to love with are you willing to journey with each other not only just to laugh when times are good with the person next to you but are you willing to also cry with them too are you willing to suffer with them too and if need be are you even willing to lay down your life for them just as Christ laid down his life for the church. That is the type of love that Christ is talking about. That is the type of love that we have to love one another with. I want to give you guys just a few, a moment just to pray and meditate and reflect on that. And then we'll go into our Lord's Supper. So take a few minutes and let's go ahead and just think about that and pray. It is a time of self-examination. This is for those who have professed their faith and surrendered their lives over to the Lord. If that is not you today, then my encouragement is for you to take this time to reflect on what you've just heard. Okay? Think. Don't just think about this year. Don't just think about what you do five years. Don't even talk to me about your 10-year plan. We, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. And this is, this is not... This is not a, uh, a push towards just Christ only uh, because, because of fear or fire insurance, as some have jokingly said, but this is about your eternity. And so as we prepare for this Lord's Supper, for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, take a moment, pray. Take this time to reflect. What sin have you not repented of? What sin is there that you're harboring? What sin do you have here that you have not surrendered before the cross? God says, surrender it now. Do not come to the table with such a duplicitous mind and heart. He says, know that my grace is enough. I will forgive.
trust in my forgiveness. Trust in my goodness. Trust that I am not some vindictive, bitter God, but I'm a loving Father who wants to welcome his children back and that the sin that you have and that you're harboring, don't you see, it has broken this fellowship. He says, I want to reconcile you back to me. Come back, but you need to repent. Lay it before me. But when you're ready, please join us. Okay? Let's pray. I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread... And drink the cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Holy Father, today we recognize more than ever how right you are and how wrong we've been. God, in you there is no sin. In you, Christ Jesus, there is no blemish. You are perfect, you are holy. You did not deserve the humiliation and the pain and the suffering. You did not deserve to enter into your marred creation of humanity and live amongst us. And yet you did. Because you loved us. And because, Lord, ultimately and so wonderfully, you will be glorified. Father, we thank you for the Lord's Supper here, allowing us to take communion together as we examine our hearts to see where we stand, that though we may have a relationship with you, Jesus, and we thank you by, his, by your grace that we have one. It is because of our sins that have fractured our fellowship. And so, Lord, I pray that you would heal us, that you would forgive us and bring us back. Lord, renew our minds and hearts. God, we pray with great thankfulness that you sent your son Jesus to die on our behalf. But Lord, we also express such sorrow that you did it because of our sins that led to this great sacrifice. And so as we as a church, Shining Star EM, as we partake in this, Lord, we acknowledge the fellowship that we have with one another because of the blood of Christ. That this here is a communion of the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we want to express a desire to partake in it in a manner that's worthy of this great sacrifice and in a manner that honors and glorifies your name. So we thank you. And I lift up our friends here who may not yet know you. Father, I pray that you would knock on their hearts, that your Holy Spirit would tug at them, and that they too would one day come to know this amazing saving grace of salvation through Jesus Christ. We love you, we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Would you all join me?